Hello, everyone. This is Mike Linstead, president and co-founder of The Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to The Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today we are on the third installment on our series on the subject of trauma, and today's podcast is titled Questioning the Character of God in Light of Sin and Suffering. And as usual, I am here with Pastor Chad and Miss Laura Retzloff. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Pretty good. Beautiful morning on the eve of our Endurathon. Mm-hmm. By the time y'all listeners out there are hearing this, the Endurathon has come and passed. Yeah. But today is the day before right. the Endurathon. It is the eve of the Endurathon. Indeed. And Chad will officially <laughs> transform from <laughs> Director of Education and Counseling to Endurance Athlete. That's right. It's going to take... Everything I got. <laughs> <laughs> he said yesterday, he's been training hard in the gym and running. Mm. He said, I don't like to think of it as running 48 miles. I like to think of it as running four miles 12 times. That's right. So That's there you go. Doing. There it's you go. Reframe game. it. That's right. Reframe this, it to something yeah. you can do and changes your attitude. Yeah, because mm-hmm. this is all a mental game. Indeed. I mean, just at the end of the day. So I got to do whatever trick I can pull out of the hat to get it done. That's right. <laughs> Well, we are going to shift topics now and get into our topic for the day, but I wanted to start with a current example of really what we're talking about in this podcast series. Um, I received a letter from the Heart Cry Missionary Society, um, as I normally do, just because I'm interested in what they're doing, and the mission update is from a place called Myanmar. Myanmar. It's otherwise known as Burma, right between the countries of Thailand and Bangladesh. And the letter that came in is just a and the letter that came in is an update on just how bad the situation is over there currently. But it's a great example for all of us to learn from about a truly traumatic experience, but how to get through those kinds of experiences with hope um, in God. So here is the letter from Mr. David N. He says, my country is going down to the worst side every day in every area of its existence. The civil war is raging. Houses have been burned and civilians, including women and children, have been killed. It is a sorrowful and heart aching story. In my province, the electricity is out often and and the heat is sometimes unbearable. We are also hearing bomb blasts from time to time. Due to fuel prices rising and inflation, things are getting more expensive every day. The people of my country are praying for peace and restoration of our country every single day. Please join us in your prayers. It is our trial time for both physical and spiritual life. The Bible says that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. This is a fitting verse for us here in my country. We believe God has his own purpose in all these political crises and that are effect on our daily lives, end quote. So David is telling us about the deteriorating conditions Mm -hmm. in his country, but at the very end, we hear what what his hope is anchored in. Right. It's anchored in the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that gives not only David himself, but all of those who are his brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. a, a an everlasting anchor, one that will see them through this crisis, or if the Lord should choose to take their life now, then it'll see them all the way up to heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's it is it is an overcoming hope mm-hmm. that that can be applied to any situation yeah. in life. Yeah, and 
our friend David, he's wrestling with the very thing that everyone wrestles with when met with trials and suffering of a egregious kind. Some, you know, the life life's full of suffering, but some suffering leads itself and lends itself more to traumatic experience. Yeah, um, yeah. And we've talked here about the difference between trauma and suffering. That all all life is full of suffering. And all trauma is due to suffering, but not all suffering leads to trauma. Yeah. Right? And we've, yeah. we've kind of de- uh, defined that, so um, we won't do too much of that today, but if uh, hopefully you can go back and listen to the other ones we've done on trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> he's wrestling with, and the people there are wrestling with, the problem of evil, which is a common struggle that every person in this life wrestles mm-hmm. with at some mm-hmm. point in some way. Um, and this is not unique to our day and time as we read the scriptures all the way back to the beginning there has been this type of turmoil and struggle and strife um, from governments from the world to individuals from things as you know from things like rape to things like a government shutting off power and raising prices war and war and um Genocide. That's genocide. certainly part of the picture in yeah. Myanmar. And, yeah. 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 And these are terrible. I mean, these are things that the human mind has a tough time yeah. reconciling. reconciling within mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make sense, and it shouldn't make sense because it's a result of sin, and it was not and is not a, a part of God's holy plan. Mm-hmm. Um, although in his sovereignty, he does allow it for the, his purposes to bring about his glory and to bring about his ultimate plan, which is redemption and and, yeah. mm-hmm. and the end. But right. um, so it, it's right that when we see things like that within us, within every human, because every human's created in the image of God, whether we acknowledge him or not, we feel that it's not right mm-hmm. because God's moral um, law is is created within us. Um, some of us ignore it when we disobey God or when we reject a God altogether, mm-hmm. but everyone feels that morality is right within mm-hmm. them at some level even tribes in the jungle have a certain law right have mm-hmm. have certain parameters for justice which show that that's natural to man that there mm-hmm. is a created order which should draw us to that there is a creator mm-hmm. right who created that order and that that order is being um, broken every mm-hmm. day due to sin yeah there's a couple of things that, that are really important in what you said. You know, mm-hmm. first, you know, God, um, when we say God didn't plan for mm-hmm. evil, he completely, it's not as if it surprised him. So we right. have to make that distinction. Right, right, right. What, what I think is a more clear way to say what, we're, what we mean by that is um, that God did not, did not design us for evil. Mm-hmm. Like he designed us to represent his image, which right. is perfect, holy, righteous, and good. Right. And... Um, there is a uh, large amount of tension between, you know, well, if God did design us that way, mm-hmm. then why did he allow it, right? And we're going to explore exactly, some of that yeah. today. Um, ultimately, you know, there, I think where most people have this misunderstanding is when it comes down to what is free will, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but I think it's a, just a good place to make this <clears throat> point yeah. is that um, the Bible actually doesn't teach that we have a truly free will. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really American and Greek concept, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says that we are slaves to mm-hmm. sin. Um, I ask you, listener, does mm-hmm. a slave have any freedom? Mm-hmm. No. So as far as our freedom is concerned, we are free to choose our sin. 
mm-hmm. before God. And you'll go, well, well, hold on. People that don't believe in Jesus Christ do good things. Sure, on a human level, mm-hmm. not in a divine scale. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember what standard we're applying. Um, and then when we come to Christ, it now mm-hmm. says that we are a slave to Christ, Yeah. right? So I just want to make that point right now because we're going to dive into the problem of evil right. as it pertains to trauma and suffering today. And we have mm-hmm. to understand those things. Is mm-hmm. We have to know, first of all, the base operating mode of mankind is evil continually mm-hmm. on the divine scale, Yeah. right? We're not talking about human goodness, right? I mean, that, right. that doesn't mean a whole lot in God's sight. Um, right. So we have to understand that, that people are not inherently good. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we shouldn't expect inherently good things to be coming out of them. In fact, right. we should expect evil and wickedness. Right. We really should. Yeah, because the standard, as you're alluding to, is God's holiness, which is, mm-hmm. is the first definition of that holiness is his transcendence, his set-apartness, his perfection, his otherworldliness that we don't fully understand. You know, only... Only some have seen a glimpse of that glory. Um, men in the Bible, like Moses, yeah, you know, or or Joshua, um, Joshua, or Elijah, or uh, Peter, James, and John, the mm-hmm. Mount of Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. You see some glimpses of it, but never seeing it in its fullness. Yeah, right. Or Isaiah with the, his vision in the dream. Or, yeah. Or Ezekiel, um, I think, saw it the most clear. Yeah. The whole Ezekiel. first chapter of Ezekiel. Yeah. And what, you know, just as a side note, mm-hmm. like he has a hard time even describing what he's seeing. He mm-hmm. always says, you know, I saw, you know, this in the likeness of this. And right. the, in the likeness of is a key phrase in that. So. Right, right, right. Because there's there's no words to... Yeah, we can't describe the uncreated by created right. things accurately. Right. And he, what he is viewing there is an uncreated God's glory. Exactly. And then his holiness also speaks to his purity, his righteousness, his justice, his goodness, you know, all those things that go within that. And so when we say that every person is a slave to sin, and even though they do good things in this life, those good things are still not perfect. Mm -hmm. They're still not holy. They still don't live up to God's perfect character. But Chad, shouldn't God just kind of see the intent of my heart? (laughs) Right, we hear that a lot, right? right? right, right, right. Well, let let me tell you. God does see the intent of your heart, right. and it's wicked and evil. <laughs> That's right. That's the problem. That's right. That's the problem. We got to understand that. Right. So I don't want to belabor the point, yeah, but there exactly. is a massive difference. In fact, there's a chasm fixed between the divine standard and right. the human standard exactly. of goodness. Which, so going into that, we we begin to question from our humanness, from our human perspective, when we're faced with evil, we begin to question the character of God. Mm-hmm. And that's natural, I think, to man. All of us have struggled with that. When you face suffering, it, you begin to ask questions like, why, God? Why, mm-hmm. why did you allow this? Why, is, why did you do this? You know, we, we begin to put that upon the Lord, and we see that we're not alone in that. Read the story of Job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. His, his whole story was, I haven't done anything. Like, why is this happening? And then, of course, in the end, God says, gird your loins, and I'm going to question you for a while. Yeah. And at the end of that discourse, Job quickly says, I, I'm undone. <laughs> I repent in sackcloth and ashes. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not God. Right? Yeah, yeah. But the, to give us a little bit more uh, of a framework for when we say a problem of evil, um, John Frame in his book, The Doctrine of God, he, he lays it out very clearly for us and simply because he asked the question that we all inherently ask when faced with the evil in the world. Even when we hear stories like this, we begin yeah. to ask this question. How can there be any evil in the world if God exists? Right? That's the question that we all ask ourselves because 
if we believe that he's a holy good God, and if we believe that his desire is not to see evil, then the logical question is, then why is it here? Mm. Why does he continue to allow it to exist? And so we begin to make some conclusions. So we, the conclusions that we make that John Frame lays out for us is, if God is omnipotent, and omnipotence means God is all-powerful, so if God is omnipotent, he is able to prevent evil, right? Yeah. And if God is good, he wants to prevent evil. However, evil still exists. So the conclusion that we begin to make is either God is not omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, or he's not good. Mm. That's the conclusion that we begin to make in our minds. And many, even theological scholars, have went down this road to begin to um, compromise on what the Bible says about God's sovereignty, to, to begin to explain things like foreknowledge. Like, mm. well, God has foreknowledge, means he knows all these different outcomes that could happen. And, right. And so that's how they kind of explain away. He like, looks down the annals evil. of history and, and right. says, oh, you're going to choose me, so I'll say to you. Right, which is not what the Bible says. Mm. Or he he's good, but he doesn't really have, like he set up the order of the world, but he doesn't really get in the details. It's deism. And, and that's why, you know, he's still good. We can still call him good, but not blame him for yeah. the evil and the things and he took his hands off the steering wheel right. after he created it all. Which God never says. Right. Um, in actually, fact, Jesus says that he's, <laughs> he and his father are working even to this day when confronted by the Pharisees about mm-hmm. breaking the Sabbath. Absolutely. And, you know, Scripture continually says, you know, Romans 9, just go read 9, 10, and 11 in Romans yeah. of how God, he chooses who he chooses. He he doesn't choose who he doesn't choose. Like right. he, he is completely in control. James 1 mm-hmm. talks about, Here's how evil comes about, and don't ever say that God brings it about. Yeah, but He is in control of it. Romans eight twenty eight, as as David said in his letter, yeah. right? We know God is working all things for the good of those who love Him. Yeah, Romans eight twenty eight, which tells us that God is He is right in the mix mm. of everything that is happening, and we want a God who's in control. Hey everyone, it's Mike here. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. Chad and I get on here every single week simply to educate and encourage all of you listeners out there. We want to educate you in what the Bible actually says, and we want to encourage you in the truth of the scriptures. If you are interested in our biblical counseling process and all the other things that we are doing here at the Nehemiah Project, I would encourage you to visit our website, tnproject.org. It's there you're going to find all of our different services. You're going to see what we're all about and you're going to really get to know us. And we would ask you to consider becoming a financial donor to this ministry. You know, it's our donors that really allow this ministry to grow and to thrive. We have a large percentage of clients who need financial assistance with their services. And because we don't take health insurance, we depend wholly upon the kindness and generosity of donors just like yourself. So we'd encourage you to check out our donation page at tnproject.org slash donate and help us replace hopelessness with hope. Now let's get back to the podcast. Mm -hmm. So there's a few things, and I think we mentioned this podcast before, but I'll mention them again, is there are some dangerous assumptions we make from our minds as sinful humans when we're faced with evil. And so when we make that conclusion 
that a God is either not omnipotent or he's not good, in order to make those conclusions, we make some assumptions about ourselves, even if we're not clear about that. Mm -hmm. But I want to make that clear because these are the assumptions you have to be making in order to make those claims. Yeah. And the first one is that we must assume that sinful, finite human beings are morally good in their own thinking. In order to judge a holy, moral God, we have to decide that we are we know better mm. in our own thinking of what should be done mm -hmm. in order to make those claims about God's character in the way that he's working things out, mm. right? And that's very dangerous because the Bible is clear. As you said in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Yeah. Like our free will is not really free. It's We can only do what our nature is, and man's nature due to the fall of man is to sin. And one more one more thing I'd like to add to that is that doing that is also profaning the name of the Lord, mm -hmm. which is in direct violation of his commandments. Right. You know, we're bringing God down to our level. We're mm -hmm. bringing what is holy down to the common level. Right. And that is sin. Yeah. And Jeremiah 17, 9 reminds us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Right. We don't even understand to the levels of our sinful nature, our motivations, our thoughts, our desires. Yeah. And we're often, because of our own pride, putting ourselves in the place of God, which is really what this is, Yeah, is we excuse a lot of things within our own thinking and our own flesh mm -hmm. in order to believe that we could judge God's uh, plan and his working out, mm -hmm. right? Not to mention, you, you spoke about recently on one of our snippets about, and you can speak more to this, Laura, about the wisdom of the Lord and our limited knowledge. Right, so that's the other part. Is like we we don't even know what's going to happen five minutes from now. Yet yeah. we will stand back and judge a, a holy God who sits outside of space and time and who cool. set the whole thing up. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of the attributes <clears throat> of God is His omnisapience. So in addition to being omniscient, He knows all things. Um, he also possesses all wisdom, and so He knows what to do with that mm -hmm. knowledge, and he, because of his omniscience, can see from eternal perspective. And I think that's that's really kind of what underlies what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. If I can kind of summarize for a minute, um, there's kind of, I know we're not supposed to bring God down to the common level, but let me bring this heady theological conversation yeah, 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 yeah. down to a common level. The average person, at least in our society, but in many societies, is born and then, has the belief reinforced that their life is about them, mm -hmm. their happiness, their fulfillment, what they're going to achieve with their lives. Right. Work um, hard, achieve your dreams. Right. And even more simply than that, I think there's an assumption by pretty much everyone that the goal of my life is to arrive at a place where I'm content and happy. And essentially what we're doing by that is we're making some faith presuppositions, which is a you know, a big theological word as well, but we're, we're making false assumptions. Number one about this world mm -hmm. being our home and our ultimate purpose. We're making assumptions about our own authority over our lives. We're making assumptions about God and his character mm -hmm. without really realizing that those are underlying the thoughts that we're bringing to our situation of suffering or our experience of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we're addressing these, these deep theological issues of God's character mm -hmm. is that the solution to healing from trauma 
and experiencing true freedom. We talked about free will earlier that God allows us to have, um, God allows us to have the ability to make decisions and to choose him or to choose our sin. However, the reality behind that is because of our sinful nature, we're always going to lean towards sin. And it's only he that gives us the ability to choose differently and that that's real freedom. Mm -hmm. We don't actually have true freedom until Christ enters into the picture. And specifically within the context of suffering and trauma, the only way that we begin to make a shift from functioning out of our experience and functioning out of those assumptions that might be hidden to us or that we're blind to is by having Christ open our eyes so that we can have right perspective on the true order of the world. Um, all of this stuff we've been talking about, but from individual suffering to governments that are collapsing in Myanmar, look at Ukraine. I think the real reality of it mm. is show me one government in the world that's not corrupt. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that tell you about the world? Mm -hmm. And the beautiful part of knowing who God really is, is the recognition that you weren't created for this world mm -hmm. and he's calling you to another one. The hope enters in because this isn't it. This isn't the final destination. This mm -hmm. isn't the final line of the book, right? Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of the Apostle Paul. He wrote often, uh, specifically in the book of sec for, well, books of First and Second Corinthians about the things that he suffered and also his own righteousness and how there was no hope in that. Mm -hmm. And the way that we as people begin to respond rightly to the suffering of this world is by having eternal perspective mm -hmm. and finding hope in the gospel. And so mm -hmm. that's why we're starting with these assumptions is yeah. God is good. And we have to first begin by saying, I'm not the one who defines what mm -hmm. good is. Yeah. Cause you just said a mouthful there in a good way <laughs> <clears throat> because everything within what you're saying is, where do we find that wisdom? Where do we find that hope? How do we make sense of all of it? It's actually in the Word of God, mm -hmm. through the Word of God that He has given us to help us make sense of it. God mm -hmm. is a good and gracious God who doesn't leave us to blind. figure it out on our own. Yeah, to His character and to His overall plan, but He gives it to us so that we can face the trauma and the suffering of this world and the yeah. evil of this world. Let me add a couple of passages from Psalm 119. And the reason why I want to read these is they're reflective of the person who um, understands what we've been talking about, mm -hmm. that has a deep knowledge of who God is, like his character. Um, and that, that knowledge has penetrated the heart and has fundamentally transformed the nature of the person. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't just think head mm -hmm. knowledge is all we need. Mm -hmm. Although we do need to have our minds renewed, we also need to have our entire inner being transformed right. and regenerated. And so... Mm -hmm. Listen to these words. This is from Psalm 119. I'm going to read verses 65 through um, 80. I'll read 65 through 80. It says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but my, with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. 
Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I might learn your commandments. Those who fear you see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Mm -hmm. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to the promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. My heart may be May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. Mm. So we see this individual who wrote this has a different perspective on affliction that is fundamentally based on the nature and character of who God is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not for no reason that God has allowed this person to go through what sounds like uh, the the smearing of this person's character, right? He mentions that the insolent have uh, wronged him with falsehood and et cetera. Mm -hmm. But he says God has afflicted him in his faithfulness in Mm -hmm. verse 75. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why Paul can rightly say in Romans, because he understood this as well, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who have been called according to his purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. And you you both have hit this, that it takes the eternal perspective. Yeah. It takes understanding that this life is not about our glory or our good Mm -hmm. or our comfort Mm -hmm. or our success. Mm Mm-hmm that the purpose of this life and our lives is to glorify God and bring about his kingdom. And suffering is a part of that. Um, We will face suffering and affliction because of the evil that's in the world. But our hope is not in this life. Mm -hmm. Our hope is in an eternal life. Mm -hmm. Understanding the greater hope of God redeeming, restoring, renewing the world through Christ Mm -hmm. in the end, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the hope. Because we talked about the problem of evil and that perspective. One thing that we can hang our hats on in in these times in God's wisdom that he shows us is that the purpose is to bring about redemption and the main way he does that is through his son. Mm -hmm. The cross, as we look upon it, shows us God's character as well as helps us understand that although God doesn't give us a clear explanation of why he's allowed evil to exist. Mm-hmm. He does show us that it must have been necessary because of the cross. Mm-hmm. Because on the cross, we see God's full character, his holiness, his wrath, his justice, his righteousness, as well as his mercy, his love, his grace, mm-hmm. his forgiveness, all are displayed on the cross because mm-hmm. he doesn't require us to pay the penalty for our own sin that mm-hmm. we deserve to pay. Mm-hmm. But instead, he comes in the form of his son, and he sends his son to the, his own son to the cross in order to take the full wrath, defeat sin and death, to take away the curse and the power of sin so that anyone who would put their faith in Christ would be atoned for, be covered by his blood, and be uh, made new and set apart as holy, his holy children, mm-hmm. right? Not because of our works, but because of his grace mm-hmm. and his goodness, right? And so <clears throat> what helps us then is if we understand that what happens to me in this life is not the end, it is not my uh, uh, actual hope, it gives us the courage to face the trials and the suffering of this life. Mm -hmm. It gives us the courage to forgive others as we've been forgiven. Mm -hmm. 
because the the start of the gospel is us realizing how much of our sin needs to be atoned for and forgiven, mm. which then allows us the courage and the strength that is given by God through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit within his children to be able to look at our offenders or to look at the world around us and have a heart of forgiveness towards it. Mm. And we don't quite understand, I don't think, the true power in forgiveness. Mm. <clears throat> right? We we often think of forgiveness as just transactional. Well, I'll forgive someone if I feel like they deserve it. Or, you know, I'll forgive them if they, they ask for forgiveness. <clears throat> and let me be clear, I'm not talking about reconciliation. That's a different thing. But all I'm talking about is the the heart of forgiveness towards sin and towards the, the world and towards the offenders. Mm -hmm. Because what happens, we are marked by, when we go through a traumatic experience, oftentimes we take on the shame and the guilt and the memory of that moment and we wear it as an identity, mm -hmm. as who we are. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of the gospel is that we're made new. Yeah, He's given us a new heart. It's kind of what I was thinking to tack on to the end of that was that yeah. another really mm. important way that the gospel gives us courage is that moving forward for the rest of our lives, the gospel is also what gives us the courage to not allow our past and our trauma to define mm -hmm. who we are right. and how we respond to future mm -hmm. suffering in our right. lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, forgiveness is not transactional mm -hmm. it's transformational exactly. it's completely yeah. transformational mm -hmm. for both parties exactly. if it's been received it's transformational for the one who's receiving forgiveness mm -hmm. and the one who is forgiving right mm -hmm. on a human level it's right. transformative and it's great strength it, it displays the strength of god within us when we're able to look at the person who's offended us Right, and not need vengeance. And not need it. Knowing that the vengeance is the Lord's, Romans yeah. 12. Mm -hmm. right? yeah, I'm about to read Romans 12 right now. Go Let ahead. me read it. Romans 12, verse, starting at verse 9, says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek yeah. to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another and do not be mm -hmm. proud, but associate with the lowly. Yeah. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And in so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not that <clears throat> evil will not be dealt with. It's that God is the only one who can deal with it rightly. Mm -hmm. Because once again, even even as children of God, even as a redeemed you know, slave of Christ, mm -hmm. we're still sinful. Mm -hmm. And so... And we still try to run away. And we right. don't we don't rightly know how to give out the justice that the Lord only perfectly knows how to rightly give out. And I would even argue as I'm thinking about this when I'm, when I'm listening to you, if we try to deal with it on our own, mm -hmm. of course it's sinful just because we've already discussed that vengeance is the Lord's, but 
what's even behind that is we think that we can we're the ones who ultimately are being sinned against. Mm -hmm. It's like no, all sin is ultimately against the Lord. Right. So when we when we try to avenge ourselves, we're mm -hmm. taking the role of God. Yeah. Saying what you said in a different right. way. Absolutely. And very practically, it will not bring healing or freedom. No. Mm -mm. You think it will, but it's still you being attached to. You're allowing that offender to still have control of your life. Mm -hmm. That's one of the powers of forgiveness, that I'm, I'm going to let this go to the point of I'm going to forgive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be free from that traumatic mm. time. Right. It's believing that freedom can only come through something you can provide to yourself right. instead of trusting God. Right. And there's such power in that. You talk about where it says heat burning coals on the head of the one who's offended you. Yeah. You talk about releasing all control that they have in your life. When you're able to forgive... As, as Christ is forgiven, mm -hmm. you're not attached to it at all. And they have zero power mm. in your life any longer. That's a very powerful gift that the Lord gives us through forgiveness. That's where that courage comes from. And that's the other part is comfort. It is very difficult. We're saying all these things, and I don't want it to be lost, <clears throat> that this process takes divine intervention. It takes the strength of the Lord. Yeah. And it takes um, a lot of healing. But healing comes through the Lord as well. Mm. He gives us comfort. Comfort that there's nothing else in this life that will give you the comfort that only God can provide through the gospel. Um, and he promises that in his word. right? He, he tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord of Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, <clears throat> who comforts us in all our affliction so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Mm. Mm -hmm. There's just no other comfort in this life that will ever provide the healing that God himself through Christ can, can give. Yeah, mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we want God to be sovereign. Mm -hmm. We want God to be fully in charge and in control of everything that's happening in this life because any other God, now we, I say this, this is what the scriptures already say, so I'm not saying this in terms of like a, it just is nice if we believe this. This is who God is. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is very practically, you don't want God not to be in control of it all. Mm -hmm. right? Because then he has no power to save. He has no power to bring real comfort. He has no power to bring about his plan. You're on a shaky foundation. <clears throat> you do not want a God who is not able <clears throat> to be in complete control and bring about his sovereign plan. You want the rock. You do. Yeah. So I think this is the point in pretty much all of our <clears throat> counseling sessions where clients essentially start saying like, mm -hmm. okay, okay, I get it. I understand all that. I believe it, but how? <laughs> all right. Right? How do I actually do this? Yeah. So let's talk about that just for a few minutes as yeah. we kind of draw to the close of our discussion on trauma and uh, for now at least mm -hmm. and I wanted to just share one more passage as we talk through this as well that comes from second Corinthians chapter 4 there are some tools that that we use as we're seeking to be faithful to help our clients walk through trauma and essentially what we've done with this podcast and the previous one is steps one and two of that process mm. so we got to lay some groundwork and establish a foundation before we move into actually mm -hmm. the processing part and the progress and the healing part 
And so um, I may actually start sending my clients to listen to these because it'll save us a couple of sessions. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but essentially, we are going to approach trauma the same way that we would with any issue in biblical counseling because we believe that it always comes down to the beliefs of the heart and what you are worshiping or what you're seeking your hope and your security in. And so as we establish the foundation of why we need to process trauma, of your understanding of who God is, God's attributes, and the order of the world, we're going to teach you some practical ways to um, calm your parasympathetic nervous system, your sympathetic nervous system that we talked about in the first um, trauma podcast. Um, we're not going to ignore that physiological side. We're also going to exercise God's wisdom for looking at the structure of our lives, right? So yes, suffering is expected, but that doesn't mean that we should make unwise decisions that open up the door for additional chaos, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to go ahead and set healthy boundaries, make sure that you're in a safe space to no longer be experiencing the traumas, particularly if it's abuse, right? So we're going to look at the practical side first before we really start processing, making sure that there's good sleep habits and nutrition mm -hmm. and are we moving our bodies? Are we doing the natural things to support our physical bodies as we're asking God to do this spiritual healing? And then we're going to talk through what actually took place. We're going to talk through the events. Mm -hmm. And again, we, we there's some tools we use to help facilitate that process. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking through, we're going to be listening for some specific things. What have these events taught you to believe is true about yourself and more importantly, what have these events taught you to believe is true about God? And so what we're going to be looking for in that is any area where there is dissonance between what you believe about yourself and God and what scripture says about those things. And once we uncover what beliefs are rooted in that trauma, then we're going to approach changing that belief the way that we would any other belief that we need mm -hmm. to work on in counseling. We're going to give you structure for how to change what you think primarily. Scripture talks about in multiple different places the fact that we can't always control our emotions. We certainly can't control the events of the world, but we can control what we think. Mm -hmm. And what we think has the strongest impact on our emotions, and it also is what influences how we behave. And so we can be renewed by the transform transformation of our minds, Romans 12, mm -hmm. And we also can take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And so what we'll do is we'll give structure for analyzing what I'm thinking, analyzing whether or not that aligns with scripture, and then replacing it with something that is true. Mm. And as that happens, those beliefs begin to change. It takes repetition. It takes practice. I mm. often give the analogy that you can't go in the gym and expect to deadlift 250 on day one. Mm -hmm. You have to train. You have to get your reps in. And you have to continually practice making your thoughts submissive to Christ yeah. and choosing to, again, we can't control the emotions that come up. That's a big part of processing trauma is I'm afraid what this is going to bring up for me and I'm, gonna, I'm afraid that I won't be able to control it. Mm. And the reality is we can't control what emotions might come up, but we can learn to manage them in a godly way. Mm -hmm. we, can, um, we can learn to allow truth to be what drives our decisions and our the way we treat others and the way we behave instead of letting our emotions mm -hmm. be what drives the way that we respond to others and the way we live our lives. I had this conversation with a client yesterday who was asking the how question of, well, if I've lived my entire life driven by how situations make me feel, how do I stop doing that? Mm -hmm. And the answer is really kind of simple. The answer is you start doing it differently. Mm -hmm. So, 
we start one situation at a time, one interaction at a time, and we learn to slow down rather than reacting to notice what we're thinking and to ask the the question, is the way that I want to respond to this coming from my sinful desire to give myself security or coming from trusting God and walking in his wisdom? Mm -hmm. How can I respond to this situation in a way that honors God? One situation at a time, and the change happens gradually, but it mm. can happen. And oftentimes we see the example from scripture as well that this comfort and peace that we're talking about comes after the obedience, right? The mm. submission to God is primary. And then we experience his presence as a result of choosing to submit to him. Mm. So being willing to do it differently and also to pray and ask. You know, I, I had uh, someone else have a conversation with me about a week ago where they said, I just, this whole idea of, of Christian joy, I just don't, I don't understand what that even is. Mm-hmm. And I just asked the question, well, have you asked God for it? Scripture says, if we ask him mm-hmm. for more of him, he'll give it to us. Mm-hmm. And so making daily practices of asking the Lord to help you experience his character and who he is, he will answer those prayers. Mm -hmm. So we put those things in place as well. And ultimately the goal, again, we've like, we've talked about before the goal of processing trauma. Isn't that this experience would become one that isn't painful for you or one that doesn't cause you to experience any, any hurt, but rather it would be, um, a memory that doesn't hinder you from walking in the holiness that God calls you to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reconciling it and integrating it into your life in such a way that, like we've been saying, it doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. So just this last passage that I just wanted to share as we wrap up the conversation on trauma, because I think this is one of the places I often go with my mm-hmm. clients as we're processing this, that, that demonstrates that change in thinking that needs to happen And also the life of Paul is such a good example of experiencing trauma and still choosing to obey God and walk out your calling. And so um, this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. And he's talking here about the gospel. He specifically refers to it as the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So picking up in verse 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence." For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, 
but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So again, just a great picture from scripture of what it looks like to focus primarily on the reward of knowing Christ and eternity with him over this light momentary affliction of our lives here on earth. Yeah, there's a couple of ways just to sum it all up, I think, from Scripture. Number one, let's just make our lives about Jesus. Let's make our lives about Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Hebrews 12 tells us to consider Jesus, right, who endured the shame and suffering of the cross, right? And he, mm-hmm. he endured it for the joy that was set before him. I mean, mm-hmm. everything you just said, get your mind off of this world and put it on the, where you're going, right? Let's consider Jesus. Mm-hmm. And number two, let's listen to the words of Jesus on, you know, how to change your thought patterns like you were talking about, right? How to get your mm-hmm. priorities off of this world and onto the world to come. Man, Jesus in, in John 15 really says simply, starting in verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, neither can you bear any fruit if you are apart from me, mm-hmm. right? We got to stay connected to the vine, which means we got to have his life flowing through us. The way we do that is by staying in his word staying in prayer mm-hmm. and making our lives about his glory and not our own. Mm-hmm. Very simply put, yeah. it's not going to happen overnight, just like a tree doesn't grow up overnight, mm-hmm. right? Just like we go from being babies to old people, that mm-hmm. don't happen overnight. It's a lifetime. Right. And I'm telling you, God is probably more concerned with the progress than the result, right? Because right. if the progress is right, the result's going to take care of itself. And if you're struggling with, with uh, something that's traumatic in your life, God does not expect you to do that alone. That that's what organizations like ours exist for, mm-hmm. and church, you know, healthy churches exist for. That Galatians six two that we may bear one of those burdens. Mm-hmm. And so, if this is something that you're struggling with, we're not sitting here saying figure it out on your own. But these are the theological truths that will bring about freedom. If you're struggling, feel free to call us nine eight five two zero five thirty twenty two. We will get you set up with. An intake counselor, and we'll get you sorted out. Yeah. We'd love to help you. We're here for you. We thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.